Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network, where you'll find all your tennis news. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings and its effects on life's journey. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which could be the vehicle that takes you through life's journey. And our mentors might provide the roadmap for your journey. Who are these mentors? Well, on the first uh, Thursday of every month, it's uh, Alan Fox. The second uh, Thursday, it's uh, Chuck Reese. On the uh, third Thursday, it is Dr. Alan, uh, or excuse me, Dr. John Murray. And on the fourth Thursday, it's either uh, Coach Scott uh, Williams or uh, Coach uh, Linda LeClaire. And on those fifth Thursdays that happen occasionally, and this month is one of those, well, we'll have, who knows, probably uh, could be one of our past uh, guests that uh, we've been blessed to have on this show. It could be... um, one of uh, the many college coaches that have uh, appeared on the broadcast and might be uh, notable uh, heads of uh, organizations like uh, the USPTA or the PTR. We've had uh, both John Emery uh, and uh, God Almighty, he's going to kill me. I forgot his Name. This is what you have to look forward to when uh, you get old, folks. Um, the, the PTR, we've had them all on the broadcast in the past, and uh, hopefully we'll continue to uh, do that. It's been a uh, great three-year ride so far, because, truthfully because of the uh, mentors that give up their time, and we've been blessed to have many of them on our uh uh, broadcast in the past, and uh, I look forward to uh, continuing having them in the future whenever uh, possible. I would uh, like to uh, thank the Yellow Ball Network CEO, J.P. Weber, for hosting our tennis network. And if you're not following We Coach Tennis on Facebook, you are missing out on some useful information. Of course, the nice thing about Block Talk Radio is if you don't have time to listen at the prescribed time, our time is at 5.30. Uh, Chuck Reese's broadcast, uh, the American uh, Tennis, is on Wednesdays at noon. But the great thing about Block Talk Radio is you can listen any time at all. Uh, yesterday, I actually caught him off guard because uh, – I was waiting for uh, my wife, Bobby, who was just having uh, minor eye, eye surgery. She could already see better, but uh, I called in when the show uh, was going on. Uh, that you can't do on our broadcast because I'm slow getting into the 21st century. And um, I had an incident once, and I don't want to go through it again. But I would remind you that if you disagree with something that I say, email me at coachdenise.fhstca at 
att.net. Um, you might be surprised. You might hear your uh, response on the broadcast, or you might read them in Florida today. It wouldn't uh, Florida tennis? Excuse me. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time that uh, that has happened. I've done it before, and uh, but I don't take uh, calls on the air. I do respond to your emails. Uh, for instance, we're going to challenge. Uh, uh, the great uh, Chuck Reese today because I've had uh, uh, I put the uh, questions about things we should cover and I've had some response but I know he'll be uh, up to it because he always tells us to uh, be prepared and uh, have a plan B so I know I won't catch him too off guard there but um, it I'd like to have you just. Uh, I'd like to thank a few people first. I'd like to uh, thank uh, the network like I did and um, the Yellow Ball Network for hosting us. I'd like to thank um, the uh, Florida Tennis Magazine and uh, the Almighty Willing. Uh, you will continue to read my articles there. Uh, for instance, talking about response, uh, this last article uh, was about an old basketball coach perspective on tennis coaching. And uh, I had a, uh, a call from a young Connecticut uh, basketball, former basketball coach who had uh, coached against one of my players who became a college uh, coach. And uh, uh, he uh, disagreed a little with me. He said, uh, he, you know, he, he agreed that the similar, but he pointed out that the uh, three-point shot, he says it changed uh, ten, uh, basketball. Uh, watching basketball and asking him to watch some things, he's contacted me back and says he's agreed with me. Uh, yeah, there's always new things you adjust to. The three-point shot is worth more than it is, uh, than it used to be when I was coaching over 40 years ago. But how do you get to getting that man uh, to shoot that three-point shot? It's usually by bringing it down, going for the fast break first, uh, covering the, the being able to change from one to the other, and this is what you do in tennis. And then if it's not there, what happens? The ball goes outside, and uh, the three-pointer is taken. So. Um, you will find that I will defend my positions, but I do respect your opinion. I do listen to your opinion. And uh, if they are mighty willing, I will uh, continue to uh, let you know when uh, I agree with you. And because I do have an opinion, and uh, I do believe in uh, that uh, we should express that, that if we're silent, uh, it, it isn't good for uh, us at all. Uh, you'll hear my biased view at the end of the broadcast, time permitting. Yes, it is a biased view because I'm no different than any of you. Uh, my views are biased. Uh, you will hear that how I believe the uh, great game of tennis should be going through the high schools and colleges and um you will get what I believe. As a matter of fact, our guest today, uh, 
think he's on now. I'll just uh, be, I'll properly introduce him. Let me make sure he is here. Uh, Coach, are you there? I'm here, John. Yeah, I'm here. Good. I'm here. I just wanted those those of you that uh, you can hear me okay, right, Coach? Absolutely. I'm glad to have you on a regular phone today. Usually I'm driving in a car or doing something, but um, appreciate it, and I'm glad to be sitting in an office for a change. <laughs> uh, that's good. I know how busy you are. Uh, those of you that read uh, Florida Tennis Magazine, it's uh, my article on my last article on the um, an old basketball coach and perspective on tennis. We'll see in there that there were three people I pointed out that were instrumental in me coming from the basketball field to uh, the tennis field with my son uh, at the time. Uh, most people don't know the John Denise School of Tennis was not about me. It was about my son. I was the other John Denise uh, there. But Chuck Creasy was one of those three people that meant so much to me, uh, I, not just uh, his uh, book, Coach in Tennis, which I not only got, but I uh, made sure all our assistant coaches through my whole uh, tennis uh, career had the uh, book because I felt it was uh, that important of a book. But he reminded me of going back to my early, early days when I come from a football background. Uh, it wasn't until uh, playing semi-pro ball that my father finally said my son was born and my father said, you know, John, maybe they just don't want you here. <laughs> it's time to get a real job instead of playing for $50 a game. And uh, I was always an admirer of Vince Lombardi and he said, there is only one way to, to succeed in anything and it is to give everything. And I do that, and I demand that of all my players. Well, uh, from when I first met Coach Greasy, and those of you that listen to his show uh, know that's who he is. He, he is demanding, but he also gives, and uh, that's important. And, Coach, like I said earlier, I don't know if you heard me or not, if you were on, but I'm going to go through our discussion a little different because I did get many emails about um, you being on the show and talking the things we might talk about. And can we go first uh, into the power of momentum? I had a lot of response on that. Uh, you and I discussed it in the past, but, uh, and, you know, it's, it's really the, the first time I saw it was in your book, can we just spend a couple minutes you explaining that before we go on to the next topic? Yeah, absolutely, John, and, and thanks again for having me on. It's always a pleasure, and I appreciate it. I um, uh, tennis is um, means a whole lot to us. And as you talk basketball, I always think about basketball, and I uh, had a similar background um, as you did, I believe. But uh, about momentum. Uh, we're, we're right now we're starting to do some seminars with Ashley Hobson and Pat Etcheberry. We're going to be doing seminars on the last 20%. And so uh, actually my first book, uh, Total Tennis Training, uh, I had a the subtitle was Overcoming 80% Paralysis 
you know, with the physical, the mental, and the emotional growth of the game. And uh, so if you break the game down, uh, the physical, the mental, and the emotional part, and I've always – I've always done that. That was the breakdown in my book in 1988 and, of course, the coaching tennis as well. Uh, we all are familiar with the physical part of the game, and uh, we probably overlearned that. And and it's not to be – not that it's not extremely important, but the physical part of the game is done between, I think, before age – I hopefully by age 12, 13, 14 in there, the physical part of the game is down. Uh, at least your fundamentals of your strokes and and uh, your technical skills, and then of course an introduction to the movement and, and every the physical part of the game is everything that you do with your body that enables you to to play the game uh, from uh, your top on down your strokes to your movement to your fitness to your nutrition and all those things and the first seven chapters of my book is on that the mental part of the game is the part, of course, that people refer mental toughness actually when it's emotional toughness, but the mental part of the game is the thinking part of the game. And there I have uh, the Wardlaw directionals, of course, and I've got different shot selection strategies uh, where you're trying to hit the ball, the, 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 not just the mechanics of how you hit it, but where you hit it is very important. And the momentum control the momentum control is your play running, your decisions that you make to start out the point. Now, what I'm saying there is every play in tennis becomes a broken play, doesn't it? But we have we have the ability to decide how we want to start the play on the serve, whether we're going to serve wide, wide and, and attack the ball or body and maybe attack or whether it's going to be a delayed pressure point. Uh, serving and volleying, or whatever you might be trying to do at the onset of the point, the formation that you give in doubles is, uh, I call them first exchange puzzles. And um, this this is the mental part of the game, the shot selection and the momentum control. And I just got to state this starting out so that people understand the breakdown. The emotional part of the game is really people say mental toughness. Well, it's emotional toughness the balance of how to be clutch. Uh, The emotional part of the game also is your long-term motivation and your ability to, to have goals, go after them and what motivates you and solving all the motivational problems. This is all in the emotional part of game. So the breakdown there between the physical, the mental and the emotional need to be made. So, as far as momentum control, I wanted to start out by saying, yes, I am, John, and I'm not braggish in saying that I am the world's expert on momentum control. And the reason I said that is since 1979, I have worked on momentum control and how to control the flow. The Everybody knows what momentum looks like. When a team gets it in basketball, they get on a run. And in tennis, uh, you will see a player run off eight or ten points in a row and uh, make a run. Uh, and it usually comes after certain things happen. You can We all recognize, uh, gosh, in baseball, you recognize if one team has the bases loaded with only one out and they don't get anybody in, almost always the other team makes a run immediately after. 
And we all know the term momentum. But in 1979, I was sitting with a good friend watching the St. Louis Cardinals baseball game. And the announcer made a comment and said, the momentum has just swung. And my friend looked at me and said, you know, if someone could ever can momentum when you have it and learn how to shut it down when the other person has it, you would have the key to all sports. Now, along with that, the coaching of 1,300, nearly 1,300 dual matches, and then you figure in college and watching all those matches and being into them, plus all the challenge matches, all the tournaments, I figure I've watched about 20,000 tennis matches in my uh, career, 47 years of coaching, and I pay attention to just about every one of them, and I pay attention not to the strokes. I pay attention to the flow and what happens. Why is it that the momentum swings back and forth and then the dominant player who captures it usually can run with it, and the player who is not used to running with the lead does not capture it. So I started in that time in 1979, and probably up until 1985, I had four simple rules that I followed. Um, One was the grouping of points. Uh, I noticed that players that learn how to group three in a row points, it's called a conversion. A, a man named Bob Love, Louisville, Kentucky, when I was studying this and working on it, uh, we, he befriended me and he, he, uh, we got together and he talked to me about how many times he had done uh, flow charting with graph paper to study the ups and the downs and the swings of players. And he said, I want to show you this. He showed me two or three matches Remember, one was a famous Jimmy Connors and John McEnroe match, but Connors had two series where he won three mat, three points in a row, and then four points in a row, and then all of the all of the dominance in the match went towards Connors. He dominated it, and he said the key is to create conversions, three in a row. So of course I came up with um, the uh, rule: three in a row starts to flow, and. Uh, and uh, a three in a row starts to mow. Uh, but I didn't, and the reason I always have come up with rhymes is my players, so that I call it loaded language. With loaded language, the players remember. Three, and threes, there's magic in threes. Let me tell you how there's magic in threes in our scoring system of tennis. Our traditional real tennis not uh, I call arena tennis, that fake tennis with no ad. I call it arena tennis now. Folks, if you don't like what they're doing to your tennis out there, we call it arena tennis. Let's label it arena tennis, but that's what it is. It's junk. And here's why. In, in real tennis, if you don't win the first point of the game, you must, think about this, you must be able to group Three in a row are four out of five, or you cannot win the game. The beauty of our scoring system is that you must get good at being able to win three in a row. You must be able, if the other person's ahead 30-15, you must be able to win three in a row. If it's their ad, you must be able to win three in a row to close the game. The tragedy and the bastardization, and I know that's a strong word, but the bastardization of, of arena tennis is that you only have to win one in a row. Any 
anybody can get a net court and win one in a row. Anybody can hit a big shot and win one in a row. But the flow of the match is determined almost always on one's ability to group points. So three in a row starts the flow was the number one rule. So that's probably one of the first things. The other thing I really understood early in watching so many matches so uh, is I re- always realized, and f- coaches, if you're out there, you'll realize this too, that the players who's ahead always plays worse at first. Players behind plays better. And then usually the player who's, when they're, you're tied, the player that's the more confident is more comfortable getting the lead. So I preached early. I used to preach to my players, when you're ahead, it's about discipline, guys. When you're behind, it's about danger and being go after. You've got to attack. And when you're even, it's all about confidence. So I used to tell players that. But so really, when you're ahead, it's more important to win with your head when you're ahead. I, I would say that. Win with your head when you're ahead. When, when you're behind, if you're going to lose, you lose aggressively either on the net are playing wide open, uh, aggressive. And, and I know you, you can't just give leads away, but you must be dangerous when you're behind. And then, the, so if you look at add in, add out, and the beauty of our scoring system, you can see where when you're ahead, the importance of being able to take care of that lead that you've just gained. I preach to my players the importance of the second point of the game, if you are ahead 15 love. If you watch this, this is the most thrown away point in the game. It's because you're ahead, you feel like you can just take a big risk, and the other point is that it's early in the game, so it's not, it's not a crisis yet. Creates one later, but it's not a crisis yet that you – that you lose that point. So that point is always thrown away. So coaches out there, if your player's up 15 love, teach them how to make that first serve a good first serve. Teach them how to play six balls across the body. So anyhow, the, the question becomes in, and I'm going to ask you a question or two here, John, so I can explain it. But the question becomes then, what do you mean by being more aggressive? What do you mean about being more steady? Does that mean you push? I came up with terminology early in the 80s. I used to call it most switch points and breakdown points. For being ahead was a breakdown point. Most switch points were you played aggressive. You're trying to switch the momentum. When, and then mo creating points, momentum creating points were when you're even. So instead, what I came up with, everybody, when they were ahead, I used to say breakdown points. Well, they played too careful. And so I would explain to people, no, 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 when you're ahead, it's big shots, big target. You don't play careful. You don't let the momentum switch. You just use bigger shots, bigger target. So I started using the terminology in the 90s, more delayed pressure or quick pressure. Delayed pressure means you grind, but big shots, big targets. Just no, no quick fix there. That's a grind point. And then quick pressure is you get your butt on the net, you bring him, or you hit and charge, but you bring, you go after it more. And then the even points. So, John, those, 
I'm going to take a breath of air here a second because that's a lot for people to digest. But those four things, three in a row starts to flow, and then I came up with rhymes. Uh, if you're in the lead, you stick them early in the game, then slowly make them bleed. So you base, And then I came up with a rhyme for my college guys who never remember anything, the loaded language. If you're trying to come back, <laughs> You stay patient with your fundamentals, but always on the attack. And then if the rule, if the score is tied, the rule's really not that tough. Your regular stuff is always good enough. And, and so um, those four rules were the first four things. And then building off of that, I can tell you the quick story of how I built off of that to make the action-reaction rules. Now, and then putting it together is a whole different story. And then putting it into the different kind of players' games because players are either quick-pressure players, delayed-pressure players, or counter-punchers by nature. And you've got to put these same things in to their game style. It's not you – know, you, you, the, the, the problem we had is you would have a player – I'm still like a Jay Berger, okay? A Jay Berger, the best counter-puncher and grinder ever. He's attacking baseline or two. But you didn't want him to just serve and volley. That wasn't his quick-pressure style. But at the same time, a Kent Kinnear, who was a very good quick-pressure player, his delayed-pressure player was – his delayed-pressure plays were more like precision body serves and maybe coming in on a second ball instead of serving and volleying. Okay, so what kind of questions you have before I go to the action-reaction stuff, John? Well, I think that's fantastic. I think, uh, I, let me ask you a question. Are, are you going to cover some of that when uh, this last 20% project that you and Ashley and Pat yeah, Echeverry? Uh, well, again, the momentum control is only part of the last 20%. Again, mm -hmm. what people look at the game of tennis, it, it is astounding to me, and it's a beautiful thing. It would be like, I guess it's like music. People enjoy music at the most fundamental ways, whether it's just a simple song, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, or Row, Row, Row a Boat. We all sing with our kids as we go down the highway. Or we enjoy classical, you know, uh, Rimsky-Korsakoff. I was listening to Scheherazade this morning with my children. I had said, listen to this. And my kids say, Papa, do we really have to listen? I make them listen to classical music <laughs> in the morning. Papa, you know, do we really have to listen to this? And so the point is, tennis is like music, and so are sports. You know, basketball, don't get me started on what they've done to basketball. I grew up in Indiana. I cannot stand what they've done to basketball. You know, but in the, you're exactly right. The three-point play and the shot clock has screwed it up so bad it took away – there, John, you were a coach. They took away about the 15 different sets that you used to be able to do, on defense and offense, and all of the chess playing. Now it's just checkers. It's not chess. And so the point being is that with the tennis, with the tennis, uh, people enjoy the different levels, just uh, the physical part of it. And then the mental part of it, they start understanding that, hey, I hit the ball great, but I don't know how to win, okay? And they start trying to figure out, oh, I do this well, I don't do that well. Okay, wait a minute, my opponent's different every time. Oh, my golly, the weather's different every time. Oh, my golly, I'm on a different court every time. 
the thousands and thousands of variables in tennis are just so many that people never, ever have the same situation when they play tennis. That's what makes it so brilliant. You know, and, and the point, you know, the only variable at the golf course, like the Masters, so is coming up uh, in a month or so, maybe not three, four weeks, I don't know. But the only variable in those four rounds is going to be the weather. And then they'll change the hole, where the hole is at. But think about tennis. Every day, you know, you go out to center court, the same court, you have a different opponent, you have different, everything's different about the game. Every Everything's different about every shot. So the mental part of the game becomes starts coming in. Your kids hit the ball great from 8 to 12 or 14, and then they start figuring out the mental part. And, you know, at the most rudimentary levels, people say, oh, play their backhand, play their forehand. Well, folks, that's the worst thing that you can do to your kids is say play his forehand, play his backhand, because a lot of times they don't get the right ball to play the forehand or play the backhand. I think everybody go to Paul Wardlaw's directionals. It's There's a great YouTube video, and he also has a book out there, folks, called uh, Pressure Tennis. And Paul Wardlaw sent me a handout in 1994 or 5, and I left it sit on my desk in a pile of stuff. I was going to read it, going to read it, going to read it. At least we had paper back then, so you could sort of hang on to it. It didn't get buried <laughs> on your computer. Now somebody people send you these diamonds and you get buried on the computer. But Wardlaw finally got to it late in the spring when the season was over. I go, oh my gosh, this is what I've been looking for. Because I ta- he said, Coach Creasy, I read your first book and you said when you change direction, when you keep direction versus changing direction. I'd like to show you my belief on that. I've got it down to three things: outside balls, inside balls. 90-degree change of direction. Actually, Agassiz's second career, he talked about uh, number one shots, number twos, number threes, and fours. Ones were cross-court to cross-court. Twos were down the line to their down the line, your cross-court, to down the line, down the line, to cross-court to your down the line. So basically, and I know that's a lot, but folks go to Paul Wardlaw's directionals on YouTube and pick up the mental part of it. So that's part of the last 20%. But then the momentum part is what do I do? So think about the physical part is how do I do it? The mental part, shot selection is where do I hit it? The momentum part is when do I do what? And the emotional part is why. And the why always comes first during competition. That's the name of a great book out there, by the way. So the physical is the how. The where is the is the shot selection. The when is the momentum control. And the why is the emotional part. How, when, where, and why. The physical, the mental, and the emotional part. Those four things make up the last 20%. And, folks, my book's still for sale on Amazon. Go there. It's called Coaching Tennis. Look it up on Amazon and and order them. They're still out there. We are like in our sixth or seventh printing, and we've got a bunch. I heard like we've already – we've sold over the years that and total tennis trainings up over 40,000, I believe, which is tremendous. I'm so proud for a tennis book. It's the only way – I think you'll find a better explanation of the Warlock theory in your book than – I read the the Warlock book. I still have it. It's a great book, but – 
Well, your explanation, and I've I've told people many times, I think you made Warlaw famous in your your book because uh, that's where most of us went out and got it. But the explanation is in that book, and that's uh, that's important. If I may digress just for a minute, I think for coaches, I'm excited about the last 20% project because – I think sometimes we're no different than some parents and players that were too much in a hurry or I hear too much about the new thing. Matter of fact, I just responded today to USTA Florida is sending out a pamphlet to parents uh, when they're going to a tournament. And it's something that we did when I was on the uh, board, I don't know, 20 years ago, but we had a similar thing and I, uh, doing the old uh, LEP program where we also instructed the parents uh, besides the players. Uh, I, I read it, and it's almost identical. And, and I don't, and it's probably, I mean, it's a good thing. I used it years ago. I, I did always wonder, did we really have an influence on the parents or did we teach the parents these catchword phrases that when we talk to them, they repeat it back. I knew they were listening because they would pick up certain key phrases like you use, and that's the importance of using that those phrases because the people will pick that up. But I often wondered, did they, uh, you know, did we do any good teaching them? And I don't know. I hope we did, but uh, a lot of times I would see parents uh, not act properly, but when I tried to talk to them, they would sit there and, you know, tell me all about what we uh, instructed them. But that's another subject. The last 20% project, I just I just think, uh, how did you, who was it, Ashley, or was it you, or Pat? Who, Ash, who got Ashley's the ball going? The, look, Ashley's been putting it together, and he's got a great connection with Pat Etcheberry. And, uh, you know, Ashley's probably – the best technician that I know out there. He's brilliant. His his eyes see every detail. We have a fella named Mike Springlemeyer and it was at used at Clemson that was a brilliant technician, but, but Ashley is maybe one of the best. And then you've got of course Etcheberry who does the physical fitness and he's just, you know, fifty three Grand Slam champions he's trained. And then um you know, so I'm pretty Chris, much yeah, the, I'm the emotional. Chris, yeah, I don't know Chris. Coach. Yeah, well, he's he's uh, Chris is uh, Etcheberry's assistant. Mm-hmm. You know, so he does the physical part too, and so he's uh, you know he's a good man. He's been around for a while, and uh, you know, just really, really good man. But here, I wanted to say something first of all to John as we get started. Look, you mentioned about. Uh, Wardlaw that maybe you know I made him no look look. I know this for a fact my early days in coaching you think you come up with something it's a big secret and oh I don't want to give it out I heard this sermon basic well in a sermon it was a it was sort of a uh, it was focused on the family and you remember uh, James Dobson and uh, this was back probably in 1978, 79 in there. I remember exactly where I was, too. We were riding to Athens, Georgia with the team, going down to play the NCAAs. And I heard it on the radio. He talked about the law of reciprocities. 
And it stuck with me that he said, whatever you give, you will get back tenfold in anything you give. And um, that plus at that time I was listening to the Anthony Robbins personal power tapes. And he had a thing called the law of abundance. Whenever you're afraid of sharing something or whenever somebody does something, give them full credit. Don't ever try to hoard anything. There's enough to go around for everybody. There's enough praise, enough reward to go around for everybody. So I have always operated in tennis. I heard a coach one time said, you steal everything you can and you use it for your own good. I think that's garbage. You know, you know the, the point is what I realized with the law of reciprocity, I've always given away my information. Some of it, you know, of course, I've been able to do seminars and travel and do those things. But the point is, is that I believe that good people will use your ideas and they'll grow on them as well. Most of my ideas I got from the great Paul Scarpa. I got from people like Glenn Bassett, Dave Snyder, Tut Bartson, and I've always tried Paul War. I've always tried to give people credit. And if you give people credit, the law of reciprocity says you will get back tenfold. And it comes back to you. And it comes back to you in a way that is beautiful most of the time. So you give other people credit. You lift others up and you will be lift up. On the converse of that or the opposite of that is that always remember out there, my mama used to tell me that you never make your own light shine brighter by trying to put other people's light out. By the way, that's one of the big ten about bearing false witness against thy neighbor. You know, and the point point is, is in this sport of tennis, it's so competitive. There is always a tendency, whoa, you want to say something bad about that one person. And you got to just guard your tongue as much as you can. Yesterday on my show, I called out what I called the deep state. Folks, go listen to it. John will send it out. But I'm going to call out the deep state because I realize there is bad things going on. There is lying and deceit and the wrong things going out, not because they wanted to, but because marketeers are running our sport of tennis. They are not honoring our game, our sport. And so I'm dead set mad about it and upset about it because they're bastardizing and prostituting our game. So I'm calling out the deep state of tennis. Now, the point is the law of reciprocity says give other people credit. And then the law of abundance is when people do well, let them know. Give them the pats on the back because I'll tell you, tennis is such a cutthroat I've seen people win conference championships, and another coach would another coach would go, yeah, well, yeah, right. But they had that one guy he played out of order, and by the way, three of his players cheat like crazy, and and it just serves no purpose. It doesn't elevate yeah. you. It doesn't elevate you. It's not. Now you got to call a spade a spade, but mom, did mommy used to tell you, John, to criticize, praise in public, criticize in private? If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. But there are no is question a about it. And the well, problem with all that criticism, I know I've spoken for years on the FHSAA meetings in Florida, and the first first hour of the meeting, 
is about cheating and this and that, and this person doing that, and what are we going to do to change it? And that's an hour that we could be doing something constructive, uh, and then instead we're just killing time and killing time. uh, It it just drives me crazy, and I I will be uh, talking about your subject of real time at the end, but I I will uh, say, and I've uh, that I did turn in my article for April, May, uh, and I got permission from uh, Jim March, the editor and founder. It's going to be a three-piece article because there's too much to say. Uh, I do uh, include myself, one of your uh, tennis patriots, and I do want to help restore American tennis, but like I told you before, I probably have more questions than answers. And that's why uh, Florida Tennis has allowed me to put it in three parts because it just, I don't think, you know, I I think like the game of tennis, um, my complaint was high school tennis is we expect in three months to create a team and usually it takes you that long just to learn to know something about somebody. And I didn't feel I could do justice to that. And um, uh, Jim Martz is just, in my opinion, I'm biased naturally. I say it every week. Uh, but uh, he's a great guy, and he's given me the latitude to uh, use three columns of it. And I one of the advantages and disadvantages of being old is you do forget things, and I probably didn't give credit to everybody there, but uh, I based the problems we have in tennis just like the problems we have in the country today. And, um, and I'm, as you know, I'm a big, um, not a historian, but I just love the Constitution. I'm a teacher, right? And, and so I, I tied it. I tied it. Hopefully, you'll be able to see how I tied it in. Unfortunately, I don't put words together like uh, the Chuck Creasy does or Alan Fox, but I think you'll get the message in the three articles. Hopefully, so. Yeah, but I will still speak me... at the end of the broadcast when I have time. Hey, John, do you believe we have uh, – I, I want to finish up that part on the momentum, but um, do you believe that uh, we have a deep state in tennis? you believe there's some people behind the scenes calling the shots? I, I, I have mixed feelings on that, truthfully. I do believe there's some people – there is a deep state yet, but I, I don't know how many there are, and I think the danger of it – I spent eight years on the board – of the USTA Florida section board, and there's votes that I made were that I regret making. Uh, I didn't think I was, um, you know, forced in anything. They were my choices. Uh, some people say now I, I have one comment from a person that we both love and respect that I'm just uh, giving them too much credit to USTA and they're just using me. Uh, I. Uh, for the eight years I was on there, I was considered the biggest pain in the ass on the board. So uh, I don't think that's happening, but I I just, like I said, I have more questions than answers. I do fear that when you ask somebody, when people perceive, 
you know, that this is how I should vote or this is how I should answer that question, we have a deep problem because where are those people getting that information from? I mean, if the perception is right or wrong, John, you know, John, uh, I think, the, look, I think the committees are all window dressing. The decision's already been made. I was on one of those committees for two years, national junior comp committee, and it was window dressing. They basically knew what they were trying to push forward. They wanted to be able to say, hey, we had a committee that made this decision. But it was ridiculous, the ineptness of what was being done. It was just a waste of time because they already had absolutely in the ITA. The ITA was never close to being a democracy. Can I tell you this? In 2005, I believe it was, we were in Athens, Georgia, we had an ITA meeting, and it used to be ITCA, by the way, Intercollegiate Tennis Coaches Association. That's before they went corporate. And the bottom line on the thing, it was a service organization, 2005. And what happened, we were there, and we had a vote. Listen to this. We had a vote of all the 53 coaches in the room to mix men and women's NCAA championship Okay, or to have them separately. Do you know what the vote was, John? It was 51 against 2-4. So 51 out of 53 coaches, the guy, I forget, I think it doesn't matter who, who, who were the two guys that voted. But, John, do you know they did it anyway? Against the will of the that, coaches. They did it yeah. anyway. John, and last, let me let me go here. I don't want to go off on a tangent. I've got twelve. I documented twelve times. Arena tennis was put down. I call it Bullwinkle tennis or arena tennis. It does not deserve any other name except arena tennis or Bullwinkle tennis. It was put down twelve times, and they did it anyway. The most, the biggest mockery was I sat in a meeting in Naples, Florida for four hours. We argued, discussed. We finally had a meeting. It was 21 to 19 to keep it the same and not experiment. They didn't even say what the experiment was, not experiment. That night, the head of the ITA gets behind closed doors. The great Brian Boland called me. I was in Jacksonville, Florida, headed home, very happy. We had saved tennis. He goes, you won't believe what happened. Went behind closed doors. The head of the organization said, hey, it wasn't really a big a mandate vote. We can do what we want to do. I said, are you kidding me? Those dirty bums. <laughs> and from that, I didn't want any part, again, to do with the ITA, the ITA mafia, I would call them. And, and so, John, well, there is we, a I, state. I think we're – I I think where I disagree a little is that I think we have to get enough people in these organizations. Henry Ford said failure is only the opportunity to begin again more intelligently. I think we've got to, and you're doing a great job with it, and I, and I think the uh, tennis Patriots is going to grow. Hey, but we've got to get John, enough John, people John. in these organizations to speak up. If they don't speak oh, up. No, I, I agree we only got a few minutes here, but look, look, John. John, they threw me out. They threw Okay, wait a minute. 
I asked the guy, oh, I guess I didn't care enough. Oh, oh no. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Did I miss me? Oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I haven't coached long enough. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I haven't. I've written six books, had five Grand Slam champions. I'm not trying to tote myself. I've coached 40 years at college, 47 years. I've given my the best I can every What? What? I'm not, I'm not qualified to be on their committee? No, they just didn't. The deep state had their opinion. And I know exactly who was sitting on that board and was forcing it to go in a certain direction. The bottom line, they pushed forward bowl-winkle scoring or arena, arena tennis. It pushed forward. Now it's going to the juniors. They're making you play in the high school. And now the whole thing, folks, if you will go and listen to my show, go to my show, American Tennis, January 31st, and I revealed everything. It's all about $70 million that the ITF got for, from the gambling industry, and they don't – well, how is it tied in? They don't want consistency. They want random results. How do you get the pros to play no ad or arena tennis, which, which pays the house? Well, you know how you do it? You get college, and then you get juniors. In six or seven years from now, nobody's going to argue because it's the old story about turning up the boiling water on the frog or whatever that thing is. They'll slowly boil us to, into the stew that they want. And, folks, you need to stand up and speak out. Do not play fake tennis. Do not play arena tennis. Play, play traditional tennis. I mean, it just well, I think it. as a coach, the coach has to be truthful with himself and say, you know, I have no quarrel with a recreational senior league uh, playing arena oh, tennis. Me either. Uh, me either. I, but, me I either. mean, if you claim you're coaching for a competitor, there's a separation between competition and recreation. The USTA never – Understood that, and and I agree we have too many marketers, marketeers there, but we do need marketeers to a certain degree. But if the coaches sit and don't do anything, that's the problem. We're we're as much to blame as those marketeers are, and that's and that's what I believe. That's my opinion, and well, I'm going to. The gonna, deep state yeah. is steering the ship. Okay, the deep state. Who are they? I know it's got to be Haggerty. It's got to be Camperman. It's got to be Billy Jean. I heard it's Billy Jean King trying to push world team tennis format forward. I heard that it's I don't world know. World team tennis though. World team tennis though is a recreation thing. I mean, it's recreation. They don't think so? Believe me, they're no, trying to push they it do. forward. In, fair, in fairness, though, in, world team in fairness, we we had a team come out of Florida that won the. You know, the uh, all-star tournament from Miami, uh, willing to go there. They weren't accepted in California for the world team tennis. They said they were too good. This is a recreation. So I think <laughs> laughable, I think we have laughable. to be careful there. I mean, so. Well, I don't uh, know. Look, John, you're too old and I'm too old to be careful. Come on now. The only thing we've got to be careful about <laughs> is gravity. Gravity is our only danger thing right now, John. Come on, Al, buddy. Hey, you want well, me to I'm wind gonna, that I'm going to fight right to the end. And, and uh, fortunately, I'm a lot older than you. Uh, this is I had a comment about that when I, uh, by somebody said, don't, 
don't uh, some of these people that uh, one of my previous articles and I wrote about the legends that I consider the legends and and, and uh, they said don't these people get upset when you come to, you know it makes it sound like you're that old uh, well you don't have to be that old I respect everybody's opinion but I do think <laughs> we just we, one of our problems today is you know everything has to be new and young. And, you know, the Bible is old, uh, Western civilization studies are old, our Constitution is old. Because it's old doesn't mean that it's not good. Uh, I, I I get upset when I hear people say, well, the Constitution it was, wasn't written oh. uh, properly. Tell me another document that was written so it even gives you a way to change it. There's none that I know of. And when you say it's vague, no, vague is not the Constitution. Vague is the people that interpret the Constitution. Vague is the rules that are made by attorneys talking to other attorneys. And I think that's what I, when I say I, I, I want to give the benefit of the doubt to some of the people that are in uh, these organizations, and I think it's well, time we say for good them people to stand out because they only will do it if we push them into it, though. But hey, hey, you know, hey, listen, could we say good people can be in bad organizations, but definitely the bureaucracy is in a bad, and I don't like, I believe there's a deep state. I absolutely know there is, or they would have not have pushed so hard against so much resistance for so long. And when I found out the real motive, and you were in the same meeting, was about gambling money, I wanted to vomit. I wanted to vomit because we've been educators our whole life. And USTA, how dare you guys? Your first job should be to protect the history and the heritage of our great game. 143 years of scoring tradition. All of a sudden, you guys got smart. Are Haggerty smart? Haggerty, has he ever coached? An elementary school tennis team? I mean, what, what the heck? Who is this guy? The guy's a marketeer. You know, has Camperman ever been a coach? You know, I mean, these, these guys, they think they're smart. I mean, they're ruining our game. We need to stand up, speak out, folks. We need well, to stand this, up this, against this the This is state. the problem. That, this is what I'm saying. And I think uh, I always believe that sports should be leading – our country and truthfully what's happening is sports is following our country now we're following that we have a lot of liberal bureaucrats that are that are think they're smarter than us so they're going to tell us what to do because they know what's best for them so what i see our industry going through is the same thing that the whole country's going through and uh, and you know, you have a, a, you're on a bandwagon now to restore American tennis, and I love it. Um, and I think the great thing that I see coming out of it is people like you and I can disagree on things, and we can still talk to each other and sure. respect each other. And you know, nobody loves you more than I do. And I thank you for you know teaching me so much uh, when I switched uh, sports. But, uh, you know, we've got to start respecting each other, but we, we've got to be afraid, not afraid to speak up. 
And when, you know, freedom, that little he or she that says freedom belongs to the strong, I don't think they were just talking about strong at arms. They're talking about a strong voice. And you have a strong voice, but you're willing to listen to other strong voice. And now it's time that we get everybody else to join us. Yeah, absolutely. We need you to stand up, speak out. And, And, John, look, there's a saying, number one, people hire number one, number two, hire threes. Computers allowed Barney to run Mayberry. Barney was a number two. Andy was a number one guy at Mayberry. All right. Computers allow some people who should never be leaders to act and program things as leaders. We need the people who are who can who you will follow without being forced to follow them. We do not need coercive leadership. The USTA, ITA, ITF, they they are coercive leadership and they use persuasive leadership some but we need leadership by example and if you guys out there will love the game and show that you love it and stop being so selfish as marketeers and stop trying to ruin what we're doing hey you know what people everybody will follow you but not this junk that you're doing because it's all self-serving and if i may bring up from another point of view i'm if you and uh, my wife just got me uh, sure it says uh, too old to be a, uh, in uniform but once a Marine always a Marine. Go back to my Marine thinking. We were taught that you had to know your job, you had to know the job below you and you better learn the job ahead of you if you wanted to advance. I'm saying to you coaches don't be afraid to speak out. Learn the job. You know more than you think you are. If you're willing to listen, you're going to be able to get into this here. What I beg you to do is to get aboard. I'm, you know, I, I have probably too many questions and answers. I will give you my answers and my, I won't say my answers, my suggestions in my second piece of that three-piece article but I suggest to you Wednesday. Well, you don't even have to go Wednesday. Listen to it like I do. Most of the time I listen to American Tennis at 6.30 in the morning or 10.30 at night. But, um, you know, if you can listen Wednesday at noon, listen. But listen to it. You're not going to agree with everything, but sit there and ask questions. You now have a Facebook page on that too, right, Chuck? Yeah, well, ChuckCreasy.net is my uh, website, chuckcreasy.net. You get all my shows. But go email me at chuckcreasy at gmail.com. It's K-R-I-E-S-E. You Floridians, Bob Greasy was G-R-I-E-S-E. I'm Creasy, K-R-I-E-S-E, <laughs> at gmail. And uh, listen, John, I thank you. Thank you so much now, for having me American on. American uh, Tennis. I thought you were putting together American Tennis on uh, Facebook, No. Uh, yeah, it's on Facebook. Uh, we're with the American Tennis Patriots. Ask me on uh, Gmail. I'll try to put you. I've got a closed group. I'm up to about 70 or 80. Now, I'm 200. We got, we're going to be able to roll with something here as soon as we get. I need more American Tennis Patriots coaches. If you want to be an American Tennis Patriot, please email me, chuckcreasy at gmail.com. Coach, thank you so much for being on. Uh, the, the audience, I went into my perspective 
a little earlier today because we got off, but I think it was uh, it was better to have both of us on anyway. I will yeah. remind you that next week we do have uh, Dr. John Murray uh, will be our mentor for next week. I thank you for listening. Please tell your friends to listen to American Tennis, and please tell them to listen to my broadcast, and tell them that if they can't tune in at this time, the great thing about Blog Talk Radio and the Yellow Ball Network is they can go in at any time they choose. Have a blessed week, and almighty willing, I will be talking with you again next week. Bye now.